are joined this afternoon by Matt Clark. Sir, welcome. Thanks for joining. How are you? Are you you're back in Canada for a little bit, right? Yeah, dude. I'm I'm back at home. Can I decompress for two days? And I'd just like to say thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. So we're gonna bounce around a little bit today. We're gonna talk a little bit about your career. We're gonna talk a little bit about IndyCar. I don't know, whatever else comes to mind. I have your little <laughs> USF 2000 bio up here and but before we do any of that why don't we introduce you to the show so tell us a little bit about yourself how you got into racing all that fun stuff and what are your racing you know where do you want to be long term for sure I like that I like the way you frame that up uh I'm 19 years old I am like through and through Canadian born downtown Toronto and lived in the GTA greater Toronto area my whole life. Uh, I started racing when I was about 11 years old, kind of worked my way up through carts. Racing was just a hobby for me at first. And now I'm on, uh, on the path to IndyCar. I'm in the USF pro championships competing in USF 2000 with DeForce racing. And that's uh that's my final goal, man. I want to make it to the NTT IndyCar series and I want to be a, a star of the future, hopefully. I mean, I think you're off to a good start. Obviously, you know, last year in USF Juniors, <laughs> in the the inaugural USF Juniors year, you what you had five or six wins last year and a bunch of poles and yeah, bunch of podiums. I know your your name was in my was in my email inbox every uh, a, a lot last year when I was getting the the race <laughs> recaps. That's awesome. No, that's good to hear. Uh, yeah, we we managed to win the championship last year, the inaugural USF Juniors Championship. So that gave us the. Uh, the scholarship this year to run USF 2000. I mean, the uh, the USF Pro Championships are such a good job with that scholarship system, like, you know, allowing talent to move up and, you know, giving support to drivers um, to keep moving up the ladder all the way to the IndyCar series. So I'm, I'm fortunate in that aspect for sure. So last question, then kind of switch gears for, for a little bit. You, you know, you got kind of hooked up with James Hinchcliffe at, at some point in the last couple of years and, that's actually what reminded me that I wanted to shoot you a message this week was your, your picture from, from Toronto weekend. So first off, how'd you get hooked up with James? I know you guys you know are, are pretty close now. So kind of describe that, that relationship. Hinch is awesome. What a, like my go-to kind of phrase about him is what you see on TV or on camera is a hundred percent what you get in real life. Like, the guy is so genuine, salt of the earth. And I got connected with him uh, probably two or three years ago now, just kind of bouncing around ideas. He's part of a, um, a team called Speed Group, and they're kind of like a management agency for drivers. So okay. I'm a part of Speed Group. Uh, and over, you know, this period of time, I've gotten closer with Hinch now. And so it's kind of like a more mentor slash friend role. Uh, so he was, you know, offering me on track, off track, on track and off track advice. Uh, and he's just, I mean, an awesome dude all around. I'm surprised he hasn't asked you to be on off track yet. I mean, you guys are, are good buddies should, and you I haven't joined the show that. yet. Yeah. And, and when you say, do, yeah, like, you have kick, to give this Rossi credit, guy. So, yeah. So they give, so they, so, <laughs> so they can say my name on the show again, but so we watched, you know, we had Iowa this weekend for IndyCar. What do you think, you know, as a driver, you see a short oval. I know you had was, was this year at Lucas oil, your first oval experience in, in, uh, in a race car. It was, yeah. So you see a short yeah, oval. Was, what do you think cool. of what do you think of that versus you know a super speedway, which is obviously epic for so many reasons, but a short oval is just to me a whole different ball game. 
I love the short ovals. I yeah. like the way you phrase that, the different ball game. Like it's completely different than a, than a super speedway. Uh, it's it's oval racing, it's grassroots, it's really tough. I think a lot of people maybe in the road racing uh, scene don't give oval guys enough credit. You know, maybe maybe they get some flack, but oval racing is just as tough in its own kind of way. Uh, and seeing a series like IndyCar with 27 drivers at the speeds that they travel on a short oval, it, it makes for good racing. There was a lot of entertainment this weekend in Iowa with doubleheader, and uh, I definitely enjoyed it. I sat on the couch and I watched uh, all, all of Saturday's race, and I caught the highlights for Sunday. So, <laughs> so what did you think? You said so. Every everybody who listened last week knows I was going to be away Saturday, though I didn't. Yeah, didn't listen as you and I were talking about beforehand. What did you think of the race Saturday? Obviously, New Garden dom- dominated. I haven't yet, as of Tuesday afternoon, watched the watched said highlight package for that. But <laughs> what did you think of the you know the actual race? It was it was action packed. I mean, Power had a real shot at it until he brushed the wall. Uh, but Pansky, super impressive. I haven't been a, a super big follower of like IndyCar. And like, you know, going back like the past, you know, two, three, four years, yeah. I'm still younger. Um, and, you know, <laughs> as I'm getting into the IndyCar scene myself, I'm starting to obviously watch IndyCar more. So sure, sure. I've been following hardcore this year and I haven't seen a team dominate a track like that yet. Maybe there was like flashes of Ganassi at the Speedway, but Penske one, two, three with McLaughlin Power and, and Newgarden in no specific order all weekend. Super impressive from them. Yeah, I think that was the first time they a team swept the podium. I think it was Penske was also the last time, and I'm going to get the year wrong, but it was 2017 or 2018 Sonoma, or 2016, 2017 Sonoma, when Sonoma was still on the IndyCar calendar. And the only reason I remember what race it was, was Pagano did a four-stopper and everybody else did it three stops and he just drove away from everybody at the end. It was a good race. If you're looking for an old race to go back and, and check out, but That's so it. Sunday we, we had something interesting in the last 10 laps. There's a late caution after Hunter Ray brushed the wall. And instead of, you know, the normal, okay, we're going to open the pits. We're going to let people put on tires and we're going to get maybe a lap. They just decided, Hey, we're going to close the pits and you guys are going to, Keep it green, you know, get going green again quicker, which apparently, like I have to say, was was discussed during the driver's meeting. For, I don't know if it was before Saturday or before Sunday, but we're, we're getting into kind of an interesting gray area here of we saw what happened in the end of the 500. We saw what happened in the end of Iowa. Obviously, very different circumstances, but similar circumstances. So as a driver... How do you feel about different, you know, the way the 500 ended versus the way Iowa Sunday ended? And Joseph Newgarden capitalizing on both, right? Uh, Seriously. I kind of have to put my driver, my driver hat on here and just like kind of disregard my opinion as like a spectator yeah. because like from a spectating standpoint, it is awesome. Like the fact that they shake it up and get the cars back racing, you, you want to have those action packed last few laps. That part of it's epic. But from a driving standpoint, I mean, it kind of depends what situation you're in. Like, I could definitely see, you know, if I was one of the guys who maybe stopped five laps earlier, then I obviously wouldn't be happy, right? Because going into that, like, yeah. three, I think it was a three-lap <laughs> shootout, right? Um, 
you know, I yeah. don't have the best rubber underneath me. But if I'm one of the guys who stopped last, then I am pumped because I now have an advantage over the field. So it kind of depends what day it is, whether it's cloudy or, or sunny and <laughs> whether I'm happy about that decision or not, if I'm in the cockpit. But uh, I think it definitely makes for some some great racing. And I mean, we're talking about it right now. So whatever yeah. IndyCar is doing is working. It worked. Right. And I think the big thing, and this was kind of playing out in the the, the podcast Twitter group we have was, you know, should they open the pits for lead lap cars only? Because at the point, there were five cars left on the lead lap. Mm-hmm. my thinking was at least after the fact was you either open the pits for everybody or you don't open the pits at all. Like there's you, I still don't think it's fair for cars, especially cars six through 10 in the top 10 to, you know, not be able to change their tires. Cause if you're in 10th and you're lap down, like, okay, sure. But you could still want to try to finish, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth or ninth. Like you still want to try to move up. So I guess it was the fairest option to keep racing going because there wasn't you know a lot of repair or anything like that and i like what you said about that though like i feel like if you're gonna do if you're gonna have like a a pits closer pits pits open situation it has to be a hundred percent one way or a hundred percent the other because you know what if there was five laps left in the race and we pit all the cars on the lead lap they put on you know fresh alternates and then they're lapping cars at a super high speed and maybe it gets a little bit dangerous right because you have guys that are like seconds off the pace on old tires and i mean that's just as bad so i I think you know what you said about having it one way or the other is is definitely important too i didn't even think about it from a from a safety standpoint that's that makes a lot of sense but i think next up on the indycar calendar is nashville you guys don't race there right it's only i wish we did man it would be so cool yeah it's only the next yeah so sorry, I still I'm old. I still call it Indie Lights. This is a long habit okay. to break. But here's the thing: it was called Indie Lights for like since the beginning of time. So yeah, it is a little bit tough. And some people don't I, recognize what you're talking about when you say Indie Next, right? Yeah, and like I remember a couple of years ago, I think when the podcast started, it was still the middle tier was still Pro Mazda, and then the year after that, it went to Indie Pro 2000. It took me two or three summers to get that right. And so, you know, everybody listening who still hears me call it Indy Lights, like if they, if they work for Indy Lights or for IndyCar, it's going to be a couple of years before I get that one consistently. <laughs> just let up. Just send the disclaimer out there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, I'm not sorry. It is, it is what it is. But so Nashville is super challenging, but it's also the last year of this layout because the football stadium down there being built is going to give us a whole new or somewhat new city layouts is that almost you know in your case kind of a bummer that you don't get to try at least the, the current layout or you're just like listen at some point in the next couple of years i'll be in nashville in indy next or indy lights or whatever they call it in a couple of years and it's <laughs> going to be badass i think definitely that that second one um moving up the ladder is the goal and i am so pumped to keep moving up and you know we're trying really hard on the, on the back end of our program to to keep pushing me up the ladder and you know being with the indycar scene even this year in us usf 2000 is super special like to have yeah you know the fans in the grandstands and the whole environment like it just kind of amps you up you know gets you ready for for what's coming so i feel privileged in that aspect and i mean the usf pro championships does a really good job with that 
but for, like full transparency, I had no idea that Nashville layout was changing. So is that like um, the Tennessee Titans are building a new stadium? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm about ninety eight percent sure it's it's like definitely changing. I think also the schedule next year will have Nashville as the finale, which is pretty cool, and will get me back to going to Nashville Ooh. because going in you know, the early August, end of July, first off, it's like 9,000 <laughs> degrees there. The current layout, which, you know, I don't, have you been to the track for either of the races in the last couple of years, Nashville weekend? I have not, but I've studied onboards and it's, okay. it's pretty sick, dude. It's, it's wild, but from like, from a fan perspective, it's, it's a nightmare to walk around that track because it's like, I imagine. it's, it's, it's a good, like, so for me, like walking from pit lane down to the media center the media center is in the basement of the football stadium which is kind of cool because you can you're down by where the locker rooms are so you're at the you're at the base of the stadium you can look out and see all the seats and it's it's pretty cool but it's a half hour walk it's a half hour walk there's no windows down there you're just watching on tv if you're in there so it's like you feel disconnected as kind of cool as you know being in in a football stadium is but also the half hour <laughs> walk like i'm i'm sorry it's, like, not nice. it's it's you know if you're going outside to you know say hi to somebody you know or watch whatever's on track like you have to commit i always feel like you have to commit to a couple hours outside because it's not worth going a half hour walk to go outside for like five laps of like the 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 jumpy trucks race or whatever i forget the super truck race <laughs> Anyway, that's awesome. I have, I'm going, I'm looking at your, your website bio here. And this says I made oh, penne a la vodka once. So is, is cooking not yet a strong suit at, at age 19? <laughs> it's like the new generation, right? Like we kind of suck at like, <laughs> like home ec skills. Like, I don't know why they did away with that in high school. I, I should have done home ec, but, uh, so I'm actually in my new place right now on campus. So yeah. I have a, uh, I have a stove. I didn't have a stove last year. I have a stove now. So That's cooking is. I'm determined to make it my strong suit by the end of the okay. year, Mike. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be good. We're, We're gonna have to check trend. in. Yeah. Uh, I don't think my cooking game is terrible, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't rate it. And like on a scale from one to ten, five. Okay, that's that's fair. Well, we'll check in maybe like <laughs> after the holidays at the end of the year, so we can see you know how yes. much they've improved on that scale. But to be fair, I'm send I send you pictures. Uh, every every yeah. nice meal that I make, I'm yeah. sending you pictures from now on. Yeah, and they need to be like Instagram worthy. <laughs> you know, like you have to have, to have oh, a yeah, plating, like forty year old mom like posting on Facebook that type thing. Yep, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I got you. <laughs> I mean, if it makes you feel better, like I really didn't learn to cook until I was like 28, uh, and now I'm pretty good at it. Like I'm definitely I'm a good cook. <laughs> I say like a solid like yeah seven and a half or eight out of ten. You know I'm not perfect, but so you got confidence in your cooking game. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That so is like, something... what's your best dish? What's your what's your favorite? I have I, I feel like I'm on a dating app right now because this is literally that's literally what just asked me on my <laughs> date this weekend. Um, no way. So I have a whole list like a an, an iPhone like notes in the notes app that is just like recipes. Like if I make it and I like it, it gets saved in there um but anything italian yeah anything italian like that i cook like it's it's coming out good 
So, I got you. No, that that makes sense. I'm a big fan of Italian food too, so I can I can respect that. that that's game, yeah. man. That's game. Yeah, I mean, but it also it is a, a prompt on my dating app is like I'm a damn good cook and like I know I'm good. I might embellish a little bit because like <laughs> you have to on on there, but yeah. Okay. My next my next question. You grew up in Toronto, but you're a Buffalo. I guess Buffalo Bill. You're a Buffalo Bills fan because that's the closest pro football team right yes so like in a nutshell honestly it wasn't even proximity it was I was getting into football and I had family in Atlanta and I liked Josh Allen and I'm like wow Atlanta sucks I don't want to watch a Matt Ryan that's about to retire (laughs) retire and then be sad and then I watched Buffalo and I'm like yo like Josh Allen's him. I, I love the bills now. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, I've been All on right. the train for like what, two, three years now. So I, I'm full, like hardcore in bills mafia. That's fair. I, I have a friend from college that, you know, we're still good friends who is a red wings fan. And he picked the red wings as a child because his favorite color was red. And I've known him now for, <laughs> I don't know, 15 plus years at this point, And I still can't get over that. Like it still annoys me that he picked a team based on like not even a player, not Steve Eiserman or, you know, Chris Osgood or anybody. It was my favorite color is red. It still annoys me. Or the bandwagon people too. Like I have a couple of buddies and we all like gotten hardcore into the football over the course, like of the past two, three years. And like, you know, we start watching this guy's like, Oh, I like the chiefs. Like, Oh, shocker. You like the chiefs. I wonder why. Cause when like, bro, come on. Or like all the people that like, you know, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have resurrected the franchise that is the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. And now all these Bengals fans are like coming out of the out of the freaking wall. Like, like they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. The bandwagons, the bandwagons make you all angry. But I mean, you could you could call me a bandwagon for liking Josh Allen and the Bills. But I mean, I'm, I'm gonna stick to my guns. I'm a big football guy. And it's uh, I love it. I need to go see a game this year for sure. Do the Eagles play the Bills this year? Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the checkered flag. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. Do you know that off the top that of your head? That is a good I question. I don't think I so. I do not know. 
I was looking at the Cincinnati Buffalo game because the tickets are cheaper in Ohio slightly than Buffalo because Bills Mafia is crazy. So, is it hard to get tickets up there for a Bills game, like a home game? It's not hard. You just have to have like a a deep pocketbook. <laughs> like I'm I'm in college, you know what I mean? Like I get it, man. I'm not trying to blow, blow my life savings on uh on two Buffalo Bills tickets, but hey, if I can uh you know work a little extra hard this summer, make some money coaching, which I am, and yeah. uh you know make it down to to Ohio, Cincinnati, drive down there for for a day or two, it'll be fun. Okay, that's fair. Maple Leafs fan? Are you a hockey fan? Like, is everybody? I know, I know there are. Yes. I know I have, we have Canadian listeners who are not hockey fans. I won't out them because I don't want to get them in trouble with their country, but uh, Maple Leafs fan. I was going to say that the CIA or our version, CSIS, might come after them. Um, yeah. Yeah. would be good. But <laughs> no, most, <laughs> most people are, most people are hockey fans up here. Um, I'm a Maple Leafs guy. Some people will clown me for that. It's okay. Uh, it happens. You know, everyone has that team that they choose that, you know, maybe doesn't work out the best. But um, I actually took a, I took a break from hockey for okay. you know two years there a while back because after that loss to um the canadians that really bad Ooh, yeah joke, yeah i uh yeah I, I stopped watching for a bit but but now i'm back on the train <laughs> i listen as a flyers fan i have no room to talk first off right now second yeah yeah i understand like i i actually said this on my date and i was like listen I know it's going to be bad. I'm very realistic that they're going to suck for like three more years, probably. But at least now they have a direction of suck. Like it's not like the old general manager is gone, you know. So it's like now it's like I see a direction. I'm like, okay, I can, I can support again. You can see like the light at the end of the tunnel, right? Yeah. You know things are going to go up from here. Nice, nice. It's like real far in the distance still, but it's the light is there. But it's there. Yeah. Good. Good. Good to hear for the Flyers. So this IndyCar season as a whole, I'm sure you've, you know, you've obviously been at a bunch of races when, when USF has has raced there, but have you gotten to talk to a bunch of drivers, A and B, you know, is there one driver that's given you maybe some kind of other than Hinch, you know, giving you some, some wisdom or some, some insight into, you know, something on track or, or even off track that you've kind of has stuck with you this year? It's kind of like conversations here and there. Uh, I don't yeah. know any of the guys super well besides yeah. Inch. Um, it is cool this year being around them, though. I met, I would say, um, the one conversation that I had that I will remember is I actually got to meet uh, Christian Lungard. I talked to him for a little while. Sure. And he's a nice guy. And him being so fresh out of, like, junior formula, I think made it easy for me to relate to him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, we had some conversations, and you know, I'm not gonna share into his or his or yep, my yep. my secrets on air, but uh, no, definitely a nice dude, and it is it is cool to have those conversations because it gives you I don't want to sound like corny, but it's almost like inspiration, right? Like yeah, those guys have been in your shoes, and and they've made another professional race car driver. It is motivating. Yes, very good, very good use there of the word, but. No, being around those guys, it's it's cool. Even if you just get a word in or, you know, in the press conference room, you're laughing and joking, say something sure. funny and they laugh. It's like, oh, that's, you know, as a little kid, <laughs> kind of comes out and I'm like, man, <laughs> that's that's actually sick. So cool. Yeah, it's it's funny. You mentioned Lungard. So listeners of the show, longtime listeners of the show know when he did his first race at Indy in 2021, like when he came like right when he came over. I asked mm-hmm. him in the media bullpen, I said, you know, what's the difference between an F2 car 
yeah, F2 car. And in any car now that you've had, you know, a couple practice practice sessions and a test, et cetera. And he was like, well, you know, they both have four wheels and an engine. And that is literally his nickname on the show is four wheels and an engine. And it has <laughs> stuck with me at first. I like actually for a while, like, I was like, oh, that was kind of a, a lousy answer. Like I'm kind of annoyed. And then like, I've talked to him obviously more, more than once now. And yeah, he's a nice kid. And I'm, I'm really just glad he, he won. So he could got, get rid of that awful mustache. Oh, the mustache was so bad. I, it's, <laughs> it was an awful look. I, I'm with you on that one. I'm happy you won in Toronto. <laughs> so after Nashville, there's gateway, there's another IMS race and there's the West coast races. You'll be at your last race of the year is what Portland Portland is the finale for you guys. Yes, Portland is Portland is the only one left for us. So Portland's oh. our season finale. It's the only one left. It's a triple header. Um, so we'll be there. We'll be punching hard. We had um, our pace was good in Toronto. There was a lot of potential yeah. there, but you know, with two laps to go in both races, sitting P two, the end of Lakeshore Boulevard's not very kind to you sometimes. Um, yeah. So you know, through no fault of our own, you know bit rough in terms of results but we're, we're still looking to claw at that p2 in the championship p1's a bit far gone to be honest um from a realistic standpoint but i definitely want p2 in the championship my rookie year so at what at what point in your season do you start looking at you know 2024 like when do conversations for what you're going to do next year when do they start you don't have to tell us specifics and who you've talked to of course of course and anything important like that no, silly season, as I call it. Start, mm-hmm. It seems like mm-hmm. it's starting earlier and earlier these days. Every um, everyone wants you signed before fall testing, before the Chris Griffiths. Uh, teams are very hungry to sign drivers. So, And the USF Pro Championships is still my goal. Um, obviously, it doesn't look like we're going to win the scholarship this year, which was our, our goal at the start of the season. Sure. Uh, so, you know, getting to Indy Pro, sorry, USF Pro 2000 next year <laughs> there you go it's uh it's the goal it looks challenging we're looking for support always long-term partners my dad is you know truly my hero like on and off the track not only did he teach me how to drive but the man works so hard for you know what we're trying to do and where we're trying to go so we're trying to do our part off track and see if we can make it happen but we definitely want to stay in the usf pro championship system how do you feel about portland you know as a you know triple header to end the season you i did you race there last year for USF Juniors, or is this your first time there? So Juniors didn't go there last year, but there was a car available within my team, and I raced USF 2000 and actually won on my That's right. Weekend. That's right. So I'm a fan of that place. Um, okay. And the thing about Portland is that turn one, you know, it's <laughs> it's never boring. So a lot can happen over the course of a triple header race weekend, and, you know, I want to be the guy that, takes advantage of, of any chaos that may ensue it, it's whew, it's always always chaotic there but you know it being one of your you know your strong tracks at least since you won there last year you know the car you know the track at this point does that give you a little bit more you know, of a good feeling especially after kind of toronto you know even though it wasn't your fault didn't end how you wanted it to you kind of get over that a little bit quicker yeah, looking forward. I mean, you have to, and I actually talked, this is like the the corny, but like true uh, life kind of side of racing, like as a, as a driver. Yeah. I talked a lot with Hinch about it after the weekend. And like, 
to not have a result when it was so possible in front of your home crowd sucks. Like yeah. over the course of the weekend, we probably had like two or 300 people at the track. I hadn't raced, I hadn't raced at home in like three years and you know, all our partners and sponsors were there and they were still super happy. Right. Cause we were running sure. up front. We're dicing it up. Um, and I mean, I have all of them behind me and you know, that still feels good, but I like to be my bit, biggest critic and and to not have a, an actual trophy to hold up at the end of the weekend. It really hurt. Um, you know, and, and I wasn't feeling too hot, but I talked a lot with Hinch and, you know, what he said and what I will share is that it's okay to be disappointed for like one or two or, or three days, you know? Right, um, right. But you have to get back on the, the horse a hundred percent. Like everyone does, right? You, you got to move on. You got to start hitting the gym again and, and making sure that you're ready for Portland because it's, it's your job as a racing driver. You'll always have good days. You'll always have bad days. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we have a lot more good days in my career than bad days. <laughs> I love it. So one non-racing question, actually, yeah, maybe one, maybe two. I, I didn't write any of these down as per usual. So I'm looking at your bio here. We actually have a pit lane parlay driver Spotify playlist that gets no added to every driver. I will I will send you the, the link uh, later today, but add a song. It can be something you like right now. Just yesterday, Kyle Larson added some, some country song that I personally have never heard of. Actually, the last couple have all been country, but there is EDM, there is metal, there is popular stuff. There is stuff I've never heard of, but it's wild. It's like, like a, it's a super big variety. It is, it is That's all wild. over okay, the place. Cool. What would I you like, like to add? It's a great idea. Ooh. Um, okay. You're putting me on the spot. Can I, can I look? Can I have like 15 seconds? I, I'm big yeah. into Jack Harlow right now. And I don't know okay. how that, that's going to go over with the fan base. Um, I'm hardcore debating between Morgan Wallen and Jack Harlow. I feel like Morgan Wallen's a pretty basic answer. Um, but I'm going to go with No Enhancers off the new Jack Harlow album, Jackman. That's, that's, I'm going to lock that in. He's it's been studying my album, you said? Yeah. On Jackman. Yep. Got Actually, it, it might have got taken off the album. Uh, what's the song called again? You got it. No Enhancers. Oh, no, I got it. I got it right here. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Great. There's there's a song called Sunset Lover by Petite Biscuit on this playlist. I It's the strange, it's like the weirdest <laughs> song I've ever heard. And I don't remember who added it. Like, I think that might have been pre-COVID. So, like, my memory pre-COVID at this point is, like, totally gone. But it is, it is definitely one of the strangest songs I've ever heard. Okay, added on there. All right, let's wrap it up with one more. I think at this point, like, we can pretty confidently say Alex Pillow is winning the IndyCar Championship this year. Agree or disagree? Ooh, um, agree. I mean, okay. Penske is not going to have another dominant performance like that. I yeah. don't think they're going to be able to slow down Polo. He's too good. Even with, you know, a car that was, you know, did not deserve to finish third on Sunday, the guy <laughs> finished third. He's uh he's literally like the second coming of Scott Dixon, just younger and right now better. But I think, you know, they're very similar. The environment in that team, the structure must be extremely good. I know Chip's kind of, um you know, some people say he's a tough guy to, to work with, but whatever they're doing is working because so, he's incredible. Let me ask this, and this will we'll, we'll wrap it up at this point. So Polo likely going to McLaren next year. Marcus Erickson might be going elsewhere next year. Obviously, Scott Dixon's not going anywhere. If you're Alex Pillow, like, are you, would you, like, not want to leave Ganassi because 
you have a shot to win every race, the 500, the championship, you know, you're in arguably probably the most consistent IndyCar team right now, the yes. last, at least the last like two years. Like I think they've kind of taken over that, you know, because every once in a while Penske has a weekend where you're like, oof, that is just not Penske, you know, obviously not, not as much this year, but like that was definitely a theme last year. So if you were, For if sure. you were Alex Polo, would you maybe go like, Hey, I think I want to stay, you know, can we work something out, which is, you know, been rumored, but you never know if rumors are true. What would you do? Right. Right now, if I was in his shoes, I definitely want to stay. Um, yeah. Looking at it from a selfish, you know, driver's perspective, I don't want to go to McLaren because the performance of the car doesn't seem as consistent. Pato is always driving the wheels off that thing. I don't want to yeah. have to compete with him because I don't want to be <laughs> either one one A or one B to Pato. It's going to be yep. very close the whole time. He's really good. I feel like Pelot's in a position now at Ganassi where, you know, Scott Dixon is there, but realistically, when he retires, like in the near future, because the guy's still at the top of his game, but he's getting older, right? It's like the Tom right. Brady, like how long can he be elite for? Um, and in my opinion, you know, maybe it's two, three more years and he just runs the 500 every year. But I like where Polo is. Um, I'm sure he likes the situation he's in from like a the car perspective, maybe not the environment, because, uh, you know, there is that big thing in the media last year with, you know, McLaren and, and Ganassi fighting over him. And I thought that was really good for the sport. But uh, it, it, like, long story short, I would not want to leave if I was below for numerous reasons. But All right. As we wrap up here, where can people find you online? You know, if there is a potential sponsor listening, where should they go? Give us the full plug and, and we'll wrap it up. I love that. You're hyping me up, Mike. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Matt Clark. I'm underscore Matt Clark on literally every social channel, uh, except Facebook, where I'm just Matt Clark Racing. Um, so you can find me pretty easy. My website is mattclarkracing.com. That's a little bit more formal. Uh, there's lots of stuff on there. We keep it updated. All the podcasts that I do, such as it, that'll be going up there, uh, as well as like blogs and driver bios. So, uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, best of luck the rest of this year. We'll have you on again. It's been a lot of fun. And <laughs> toodles. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.